Hello, this is the ESG Quick Takes podcast brought to you by ESG Book. This podcast explores topics in sustainability and finance. My name is Isabel. We're creating this podcast together with my colleague Minla. So we're recording this on August 17, and yesterday it became official. After more than a year of political processes, US President Joe Biden approved the Inflation Reduction Act, a law focused on healthcare and climate. And many are seeing this as the most sweeping climate and energy bill ever enacted into law in the United States. So what does it mean for businesses and investors? How does this impact the energy transition? We're going to talk about this with Samantha Gross. She is a director at the Brookings Institution, leading its energy security and climate initiative. Samantha has a background in environmental engineering and has worked in energy markets and research for many, many years. So she is the perfect person for us to explain what the new Inflation Reduction Act means for the United States approach to climate change, its transition risk in investment, and in particular for the future of America's energy system. So Samantha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So your work revolves around climate change and the energy industry globally. Let's kick off with the basics. What makes energy so important for addressing climate change? Well, the overall energy system and our burning of fossil fuels is the most important source of greenhouse gases, the ones that are warming our climate. Nearly 75% or three quarters of greenhouse gases that are emitted into the environment today come from the energy system. So clearly solutions to the problem also need to be in the energy system. Um, Agriculture and land use change are also important, but by far the lion's share of emissions come from energy. Interesting. So if you change the energy system, you will change climate change, basically. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So diving deeper on that for non-Americans, it might look like the United States has been lagging on proactive climate policies. Um, And also, to your point, the moving away from fossil fuels seems slow in the United States. Do you agree with that? Or... How do you see overall the U.S. approach to climates? U.S. policy has definitely lagged behind. Um, The challenge has been that politics in the United States around climate has become very polarized. And so it's difficult to get anything done when our two political parties are in vastly different positions on the climate. We've seen Democratic presidents do what they can to deal with climate change through existing laws and through executive orders, but it has been difficult to do something without an important bill through Congress. The Inflation Reduction Act that Joe Biden signed yesterday is really the, the by far the largest climate bill we've ever seen the U.S. Congress pass. Um, I don't want to give the U.S. a completely hard time, though. We have seen emissions in the United States going down over the past decade or so, um, perhaps longer. And the reason being that we've backed a lot of coal out of our power system. Um, Much of that has been replaced by natural gas, which is still a fossil fuel, although a much lower emissions fossil fuel. We've also seen increasing efficiency in our transportation system and in other systems. So it's not that nothing has been happening in the United States or that our emissions have been rising. They have not. They've actually been falling over the years. But it's largely been because of financial economic factors rather than because of any policy that has been passed by Congress. 
So diving deeper in those financial and economic factors, some investors think that divesting from oil positively contributes to the climate transition. And one of your key points has been that ending U.S. oil and gas production, for example, by pushing to divest, is not the way to reduce the country's greenhouse gas emissions, as the world still continues to produce oil and America's ongoing demand for oil can be met with important oil as well. So can you expand on that? Um, what is addressing oil demand or why is addressing oil demand so important and, and why is the act doing that? Well, if you look around, it doesn't necessarily feel like the world has, has plenty of fossil fuels in a, in a summer where we've seen very high fuel prices, but there's actually plenty of oil and gas in the world. And as long as there is demand, there will be supply. There are countries that will be willing to produce oil and gas as, as long as the world demands it. And so I feel like the real way to eliminate emissions from burning fossil fuels is to eliminate fossil fuel demand. Eliminating U.S. supply, that supply will just be filled in from someplace else. Um, and the trick with that is here in the United States, we have quite strict environmental standards for oil and gas production. And I hope it stays that way. And I hope those standards continue to increase. And you see in the act that was just signed um, penalties for methane emissions, methane being a really important greenhouse gas. And so we are actually taking steps to make our domestic oil and gas production cleaner. But the issue is if we back out U.S. oil and gas production before we back out U.S. oil and gas demand, that oil and gas will come from someplace else. That someplace else may have more lax environmental standards than the United States has in terms of traditional air and water pollution in addition to climate change. And you also may have emissions from moving those fuels around the world to supply the United States. So it's not that I want the United States to produce oil and gas forever, or but it's that I don't want us to push that industry out of business while we're still demanding those fuels. And so you, you see the act take um, steps to reduce fuel demand, um, working on decarbonizing the power sector, working on electrifying transportation. And I think that's the right way to go about reducing U.S. emissions rather than pushing on the U.S. fossil fuel industry. It will, go on, it will go away on its own eventually when those fuels are no longer demanded. And then also the U.S. oil majors, um, while they're transitioning and you say they, they will disappear eventually, we see that they're different, right, than their European counterparts. Um, they stay away from renewables, but rather stick with their competencies in, in oil and gas. So take, for example, U.S. oil major Exxon, but also Chevron, they're betting way more on carbon capture and sequestration. So basically reducing the carbon from industrial processes. What is your thought on that? How promising is that really um, as kind of a new business for U.S. oil? Yeah, you definitely have seen the U.S. majors take a slightly different strategy than their European counterparts. I think part of it may be what they view as their core competencies and part of it may be what their investors are, are demanding. But there, there are differences. And I think some of the U.S. majors really do see carbon capture as a core competency for them. They think about what they're good at, working in the subsurface, and carbon capture is a comfortable fit for that. Um, I think carbon capture is really promising, and I also think it's going to be really necessary. 
not necessarily as a way to continue running old coal plants or something like that. We have better ways of doing what those coal plants do. But there are processes for which it is very hard to eliminate the burning of something, if not fossil fuels, maybe hydrogen. But there are areas where carbon capture and storage will be really important and useful. Um, areas like chemical production, which the companies that you spoke of also are in the chemicals business. Um, it will be difficult to get emissions out of that process any other way. Um, some industries where you need very high heat, steel production, cement production, um, industries that give off carbon dioxide as part of an industrial process and not just from burning something. Um, those will be difficult to decarbonize and we may need, we're likely to need carbon capture and storage in order to make that work. And so the U.S. companies are going into a different part of the decarbonization value chain than their European counterparts. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad direction. And I think they're working on technologies that we will need. Right. In order to become more low carbon or maybe even net zero. Right. Yeah. To go from net zero, there are certain processes that will just be hard. And so carbon capture and storage will be important. Yeah. So what would you tell investors broadly that are looking at the energy transition and, you know, with this new law in mind, are there any developments or data points that you're particularly focused on? You know, I, I don't have specific companies in mind, nor would I really comment on that anyway. But I would say that there are some businesses that stand to do very well based on the new law. You see a lot of push for installing renewables in the United States. And so those, those companies will continue to do well. But an area for some interesting new investment is that a, there's a real push to bring more of the supply chain on renewables and electric vehicles into the United States to have more mining and processing of the minerals that we need in the United States, more battery manufacturing, solar panel manufacturing in the United States. And so I think those are likely to bring investment opportunities within the U.S. Um, I think also we're going to need to build a ton of, um, of transmission. And so there may be some investment opportunities there as well. Um, the power system is going to have a bit of a different shape than it does now. You have to generate solar and especially wind where it's windy or sunny and move the power. And so we're going to need to do a ton of building of infrastructure and move that power around. And so that's likely to bring investment opportunities as well. Um, this, this bill, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act because it is indeed meant to lower energy prices for consumers. But there's also a lot of business opportunity within the bill. That's really great. Yeah. And to close this off, what is one thing that you're really excited about in the new future? You hinted at the fact that, you know, energy prices will go lower, perhaps, and that affects everybody and might be in kind of a progressive uh, equalizer. Um, is there anything that you're very excited about, maybe even through this bill or, or otherwise? You know, I'll talk about the bill because the bill is just so exciting um, for a lot of different reasons. I can bring up a couple. One of them is I was really worried before the bill passed and when this all looked unlikely that the U.S. was going to look ridiculous going into the Global Climate Conference in Egypt this fall, that we weren't going to have lived up to anything that we said in Glasgow last year and that it was just all going to be absurd. And that's not true anymore. We can show that we have policy in place not to fulfill our entire premise of a 50% reduction by 2030, but to get a 
good bit of the way there. And so now we can go and speak to the rest of the world and be serious and show that we're taking action, that our Congress is on board as well. And that's a huge change from just a couple of weeks ago. And it's very exciting. Um, on the smaller scale, I think there's not enough emphasis on that a renewable energy system is not just greener and, and better for the climate. It's better in a lot of ways. You have less local air pollution. You have you know, less illness from breathing bad air. You have a system that is more geopolitically secure. You don't have to worry about bringing in, in fuels from other countries or being connected to the markets in other countries if you're relying on locally made renewable energy. And so I feel like the security aspects of this have not been getting enough attention. But at a time of real concern about the geopolitics of energy and energy security based on what's on Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it's a really important time to emphasize the security benefits as well as the environmental benefits of a renewed energy system. And so there's just so much in this bill to be excited about. That's a really, really nice way to, uh, to end this conversation. Yeah, and we will see in the, in the coming years uh, how this is playing out. Um, thank you so much, Samantha, for joining us. Uh, we will add links to Samantha's works in the show notes. This podcast is brought to you by Ishi Book. And thank you for listening. Till next time.